Okay, praise the Lord. Well, anyway, uh, uh, remember the book of Hebrews, if, uh, if you were where this book was given to you, notice it's a letter. We call it books a letter. It would not take you long to read this letter. I wouldn't take a letter I got from my mother and read a few sentences and put it away. And then a couple of weeks later, I want to get some encouragement. I get her letter out. You read the whole thing. So all of this book does not take long at all. This chapter alone, I think, is only about 20, uh, 26 verses. But anyway, uh, up to chapters 1 through all the way to what we're going to discover, even in chapter 10, you know, God's not got his hands on his hips going, you know what, I, I really think you've got some secret sins in your life. Are you kidding? This whole book is about Jesus has died for your sins. There is a system in place to cover our failures. But you can walk out of here today, every one of us, and you can start believing in how much God is disappointed in you. Or you can believe in the book of Hebrews and find out, you know what, Jesus is taking care of my problems and my difficulties. You know, We just make such a big deal out of this stuff sometimes. We just worry ourselves silly and we won't even act like we were just looking a moment ago, Samson. You know, Samson says, well, God, you're just going to leave me out here where I can't have anything to drink or something. I mean, what's going on? You know, Samson was expecting God to provide some water for him. And when God did, he named the place, the place where the man prayed. Isn't that something? Okay. So here we are. uh, Chapter 10, verse one, the old system of Jewish laws gave only a dim foretaste of the good things Christ would do for us. Now I'm reading from the living Bible, but you can see these things plainly in the King James. Just look at it. This just helps us, gets us along a little quicker here. The old system. What's that? That'd be the Old Testament. All the laws. You know, you, you got to do this to get to heaven. Well, notice what it says. It was just a dim foretaste of the good things Christ would do for us. I mean, this, so much is backwards today. What can you do for God? In other words, and then he goes so far with that. Well, I've been a good person. Even if you're a Christian and you're whatever, and you know you're supposed to be, you're saved by grace, and it's it's not your works, but yet you can put your own works on it. And you know what you're doing. You'll lay in bed at night, and you'll just sit there and think about how unworthy you are and how much more you need to do to please God. Listen, God created you. You had nothing to do with that. You look in the mirror. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, David said. You're of much more value than many sparrows. Other places we could go to find out these things. But anyway, the sacrifices under the old system were repeated again and again, year after year. But even so, they could never save those who lived under their rules. Wow. So all that was going on in the Old Testament, the Passover feast and the lamb and all that kind of stuff. It was, that's not what was going to get you to heaven. Verse 2. If they could have, one offering would have been enough. But the worshipers, uh, the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all, and their feeling of guilt, see, there it is, would have been gone. Now, we deal with this today, this feeling of guilt. And I'm telling you, it'll never go away until you get a hold of the Word of God. Think about the Lord's Prayer, because we get upset. Well, I don't know. I just, I need to pray about this. And then we're thinking, oh, no, I've made mistakes. I'm not the best Christian. Quit talking that way. Think about the Lord's Prayer with me just a minute. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then what? And forgive us our trespasses. We've got to quit choking over that. God understands we've made mistakes. Anyway, so anyway, he said this. their feeling of guilt would have been gone. But it's not. Verse 3. But just the opposite happened. Those yearly sacrifices reminded them of their disobedience and guilt instead of relieving uh, their minds. 
Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats really to take away sins. You know, this is very interesting in contrast to other religions around the world. And even the Israelites, when they got away from God, would do this. They would, they would want to be like the other nations. They'd say, well, I think that other nation, they're doing good. Maybe I need to be like their God. I mean, be like and worship their gods. Well, what were, they, what were those gods like? Take your kids and throw them in the fire. Kill somebody else as a sacrifice, a human sacrifice. Isn't it wonderful to see the mercy of God in the Old Testament? God never said, kill yourself. He said, take a lamb. Take a substitute. But anyway, in this, he said, even those substitutes would not take away sins. Verse 5, that's why Christ said, as he came into the world, O God, the blood of bulls and goats cannot satisfy you. So you have made ready this body of mine for me to lay all as a sacrifice upon your altar. You were not satisfied with the animal sacrifices slain uh, and burnt before you as offerings for sin. Then I said, see, I have come to do your will, to lay down my life just as the scripture said I would. After Christ said this about not being satisfied with the various sacrifice and offerings required under the old system, then he added, here am I, I have come to give my life. See, where is all the, I've got to earn it. I've got, it's all about Jesus for you. Really, you can't save yourself. If you die, even that won't get you to heaven. It's not the death of you. It's not putting yourself in time out. It's not this or that or whatever. It's all what Christ has done. Verse 9, and then he added, here am I, I have come to give my life. He cancels the first system in favor of a, look at this, a far better one. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven, made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. Wow. Under the old agreement, the priest stood before the altar day after day, offering sacrifices that could never take away our sins. But Christ gave himself for our sins as one sacrifice for all time and sat down at the place of highest honor at God's right hand, waiting for his enemies to be laid under his feet. For by that one offering... He made forever perfect. He made forever perfect what? In the sight of God, all those whom He is making holy. Looks like that's Christ's responsibility to make you holy. He is, and He did it by His sacrifice. See, what we get confused is we have a response to all this. What kind of people should we be? Well, we want to serve Christ, we want to live for Him. But don't ever make it out in your own life. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to live for him, but I guess God's not going to be good to me unless I cut out certain things in my life. And if I make myself more holy, listen, Jesus is the one who made you holy. 15, and the Holy Spirit testifies that this is so, for he has said, this is the agreement I will make with the people of Israel. Though they have broke their first agreement, I will write my laws in their minds so that they will always know my will. I will write my laws in their hearts so that they will want to... Uh, so that they will, uh, they will want to obey me. And then he adds, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Well, we sure do, don't we? And sometimes we'll summarize and we'll go, well, that was, that was up to a certain point. But after that, I'm on my own. No, <laughs> that's not true. It's all the time. I mean, again, the Lord's Prayer. First uh, uh, John chapter 2, he says, uh, oh, if any man said we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Distinct, uh, there he's drawing a line between sins as a Christian and sins as a non-Christian. 
You've got an attorney. We're talking about him right now. He said, I'm the one. I'll lay down my body. Now look at verse 18. Now, when sins have been forever forgiven and forgotten, there's no need to offer more sacrifices to get rid of them. That's the reason I was saying last week that when you see a cross or something, that should remind you, it's done, it's finished. Jesus has taken care of all my sins future, all my sins past. Verse 19, and so, dear brothers, now we may walk right into the very... Remember what we discovered in chapter 9. There was an earthly tabernacle. The priest could go in that first part, but remember there was a second one back here called the Holies of Holies, and ain't nobody going to go in there. Only the high priest once a year. Okay, remember that? But then when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, the curtain that covered that was broken too. Now we see this again. See, if we've been reading this letter, not chopping it up Sunday by Sunday like I have, you know, this is, we've been 10 weeks on this now. It's going to be something. Well, I, I read your book, Paul, or Apollos, or Timothy, whoever wrote this. I read it. It took me 10 weeks to do it. Timothy would have been, what? You could have read the book of Hebrews in an hour. It doesn't take you long. Okay? It doesn't take long. So he says, dear brothers, now we may walk right. This can't, I'm not a priest. I can't go into the Holy of Holies. Yeah, you can. First Peter. Now, who's Peter? He's the one that walked on the water. He was right there with Jesus. Peter wrote down in his letter, and he hopes you didn't read that in 10 weeks' time. It was just a short uh, five-chapter book. It was a letter. It wouldn't take long. Probably a one-pager, you know. And in 1 Peter, he says, you are kings and priests. You're a royal priesthood. I'm a priest? Yeah. So, dear brothers, now we may walk right into the very Holy of Holies. When Moses got the Ten Commandments, and maybe you've seen the movie or whatever, you know, whoever that actor was, Charleston Heston, whoever it was, anyway. He goes up on the mountain, and there's lightning and thunders and whatever, and all. And the people down below, they're going, they're scared. They, don't, they think Moses is gone. He was gone a month. He was the only one that got to visit with God. And the Bible says that Moses, God spoke to Moses face to face. Too bad we don't have that. What? You may walk right into the very holies of holies where God is because of how good you are. No, the blood of Jesus. Remember what we discovered about that? Jesus in the ninth chapter, it says that he went into heaven himself and, and presented his blood. The ninth chapter talked about how Moses, under the old system, and it was a type and a shadow, he took a big bowl of blood, and it had to be plenty because it was six million Jews or more. And uh, oak leaf, hyssops, was what it is, and, and sprinkled all the people. Remember the children would be going on, we go, Mommy, i got a spot right there. And Mommy would say, you've got a covenant with God. The men would realize, I've got a covenant with God. They wouldn't say, well, you know, I don't know what that blood's there for. I guess that means do good or that's going to be my blood next time. No, it will never be your blood. The blood was shed to save you. Right into the very holies of holies where God is because of the blood of Jesus. This fresh, this is the fresh new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us by tearing the curtain, wow, His human body, to let us into the holy presence of God. Do we really believe this? We should. Most of the time, our level of belief is the hallmark version or whatever, you know. The road of hard knocks, how things work out at the end or something like that. Listen, you can do far better than that. You are in the holies of holies. Let me back up just a moment because all of this goes hand and glove right together. Watch this just a moment here. I'm going to back up all the way to the fourth chapter and see if you see something that we just read just a moment ago. Oh, uh, 
Look at verse 16. So let us come. Now notice he's talking about our high priest. He understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never gave way to them in sin. So he's our high priest. Okay. Look at verse 14. The Son of God, our great high priest, has gone into heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let's don't stop trusting him. Well, I've already trusted him. I believe he died for my sins. There's more to it. Oh, Richard, I'm going to heaven. I know there's more to it, but you got financial trouble. You got you got problems in your body. You got problems I can't even think of, but you know what they are. Whatever's got your mind distracted this morning. And you should realize, you know what, I got a high priest. I'm going to tell the Lord about that. Yes. Watch this. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. The Bible knows we have times of need. And he's saying, stay there till you get it. Now go back here to the 10th chapter. That's the reason he says, that's the reason we have a new living way here. Oh, where to get to? Let's see. Oh. Yeah, verse 19, chapter 10, verse 19. So dear brothers, now we may walk right into the very holies of holies. Imagine that. Strolling up here and the Levites and the high priest, Caiaphas, say, whoa, 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 whoa. You went right in there. Well, I can't do that, Richard. We're not reading the book. You're not reading why Paul got stoned. You're not realizing why Jesus went to the sinners and the tax collectors and ate with them and had a good time with them. And he said, hey, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners under repentance. See, Jesus was God in the flesh. And he came down and he fellowshiped with us. He saw Zacchaeus in that tree and he said, hey, Zach, come down out of that tree. I'm going to eat dinner with you tonight. Everybody thought, you're not eating with Zacchaeus. Oh, my goodness. But he did. He did. So, dear brothers, we may walk right into the very holy of holies where God is because of the blood of Jesus. No, because I'm so good. No, it's not because of you. This fresh and new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us by tearing the curtain, his human body, to let us into the very holy presence of God. Wow, and since this great high priest of ours rules over God's household, you reckon we're part of that household? Yes. Chapter 2 would have told us, I and all the children whom God have given me, we're that part of that household, let us go right into God himself. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm stumbling over this. I don't think I got any permission in there. Well, okay, I'll give you a way out. You got a high priest standing right there. Jesus is right there. He's been telling you, it's okay, you're with me. You can come in, you're with me. But you don't need anybody else. You don't need to put on your, I got fancy socks on. You don't need to put on your goody, goody, good behavior, whatever, to get in there. It's Jesus that got you in there. Let us go right into God himself with true hearts, fully trusting him to receive us because we have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And because our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now we can look forward to the salvation God has promised us. There's no longer any room for doubt. That's the reason we're after this right now. We're dealing with these doubts and saying, you know what? I don't buy that. Jesus died for my sins. And I can pray right now. And I have the ear of God. And he will help me. He's going to help me just as well as he's going to help Samson. You know? and I don't know if you remember or not. And I, even, I haven't even freshly got to read it. But I have read whatever portion of the story of Samson. Remember the last time they captured him? And they cut his hair and he lost his strength. And they tied him up. And they made him act like an ox and turn this thing. Remember what happened next? What did Samson do? Just all of a sudden, power of God come on him? No. He prayed. He said, Lord, 
give him my strength back. And you know what his motive was? I thought this was interesting. He said, Lord, give me my strength back so that I can have vengeance on my enemies. Remember there was a little lad that came up to him. And he had his arm or whatever, and Samson felt him there. And he said, can you take me over to the pillars? Because the Philistines were having a party on the upper deck. There was a lot of them. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in his death, he killed more Philistines than he did in his whole life. Well, we already know he killed a thousand with that jawbone of that donkey. And that little boy said, uh, here they are right here. And Samson put one hand on one pillar and he put another hand on another. And that's when he prayed. He said, Lord, give me my strength back so that I can have vengeance upon my enemies. And God's strength came back into Samson and he collapsed that whole building and it happened. You think Samson ever did anything wrong? Well, of course he did, you know. <clears throat> but it didn't stop him from praying. We've made mistakes too. So we've been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean because our bodies have been washed with pure water because of Jesus. Now we can look forward to the salvation God's promised us. And remember, it's not just going to heaven. There's no longer any room for doubt. And we can tell others that salvation is ours for there is no question that he will do what he says. Gee, seems like we have problems with that. Well, the reasons we have problems with that is because we're not reading. Thank God we're reading. All right, we're already up to verse 24. There's only a few more places here. Scriptures here. Here, verse 24. In response to all he's done, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and doing good. Yeah, but I want to, but I'm just so distracted. Richard, I've got so many problems. Oh, please. Why don't you ask God to help you? You've got access. Go back in there and talk to him. You know, when all your problems are over with and you're not worried about it, then you're free to feel like, you know what, I need to help somebody else. They act like they're having so much trouble, and you can help them. And you can tell them that God's good to you. I mean, God will be as good to them as he is to you. Verse 25, let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Now, <clears throat> King James says right here in verse 26, and I'll switch to the King James, verse 26, so we can find it real quick. <clears throat> but there's a little confusion right here. People get worried. Oh, my goodness, I have sinned, you know. And, and I know what the Scripture says. If any man sins willfully. Listen, every sin is willfully. That's not what he's talking about. See, look at this. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Boy, preachers have taken this, jerked it out, and said, Did you goof up today? You're not saved. Because, <gasps> boy, I mean, you, you do, God told you not to do that, and you did it. Well, God told Cain not to do it, and he did it too. But there's still forgiveness for Cain. If we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. I'm scared. <laughs> I would too if I thought that's what it was about. But I'm smart enough to read the whole story. I'm smart enough to read the whole book of Hebrews, and we already found out the high priests were sinning. So I guess all the high priests, there's no more sacrifice for sins. Remember the scripture says that even the priests couldn't keep from sinning. We had to have Jesus. So what's going on here? Well, if you read the next few verses, you would see it's not about making a mistake. It's, it, the story here is about turning away from Jesus. Verse 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Uh, let's go back to the Living Bible just a moment here. <clears throat> we'll see this so plain here. Verse 26, so don't scare yourself silly thinking, oh my goodness, you know. Uh, 
I guess I've committed, and, and people go so far and they go, I've committed the unpardonable sin. There's no sin that's unpardonable, but what I'm fixing to describe here, and you'll see it yourself. If anyone sins deliberately, what? By rejecting the Savior. After knowing the truth about forgiveness, this sin is not covered by Christ's death. There's no way to get rid of it. It's saying, I don't want... See, you've got to understand, this book is called what? The book of ha, 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 Hebrews. People were saying, you know what? Jesus is... I see what he's saying, but I trust Moses. I'm going back to Moses. I believe if you keep that law and keep those sacrifices, I want to keep the Passover, I want to have that lamb... I just don't trust Jesus alone being my sacrifice to take me to heaven. You're in trouble. Because Jesus already said the old system wasn't good enough. We got a new system here. It's me. It's my body. I died for you. That's the only way. So there was a temptation to go back under Moses. If any man sins deliberately, rejecting the Savior after the knowledge of, after knowing the truth of forgiveness, this sin's not covered by Christ's death. There's no way to get rid of it. There will be nothing to look forward to but the terrible punishment of God's anger, awful anger, which shall consume all his enemies. Can you imagine verse 27? You can read it yourself in the King James and, and preachers just going wild. Yeah, buddy, you went down there dancing hall, you know. Oh, no. Oh, brother. Not even talking about us. This is talking about turning away from Jesus forever. Verse 28, a man who refused to obey the laws given by Moses was killed without mercy if there were two or three witnesses to his sin. Think of how much terrible punishment will be for those who have trampled underfoot the Son of God. Now, because you did something wrong the other day, did you trample underfoot the Son of God? Hmm. And treated the cleansing of His blood as though it were common and unhallowed? Have you ever said, well, as far as Jesus is concerned and His sacrifice, you know, I just, I just, no, you never done that. So that's not you. And insulted and outraged the Holy Spirit who brings God, uh, who brings God's mercy to His people. For we know him who said, justice belongs to me, I will repay them. Who also said, the Lord himself will handle these cases. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Don't ever forget. So in other words, he's warning us, we're not going to do that, right? Okay. So he says, don't ever forget those wonderful days when you first learned about Christ. You know, it's so hard to please God. It's so hard to live for Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't know that. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Watch all this. Remember how you kept right on with the Lord, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were laughed at and beaten. Sometimes you were watched and sympathized with uh, others suffering the same things. You suffered with those thrown in jail. You were actually joyful when all you owned was taken away from you. Excuse me? <laughs> Whoa, something wrong here? No. Remember, God's always on your side. He's always working miracles for you. They can take everything you've got today and because of your knowledge of your Jesus and how to pray, God will take care of you. I mean, we've already arrived. I mean, can you close your eyes right now and just see everything taken away? Even if they come get your Bible. That's the reason, thank God, you have knowledge of Jesus. You can remind yourself, I remember, and you can go write it down. If you have to go out in the woods and carve it on a tree, the 23rd Psalm, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, you know. Go carve it somewhere. Go lay some stones out somewhere. You would know the promises of God. Sometimes you were laughed at. You were beaten. Sometimes uh, you watched and sympathized with others suffering the same things. You suffered with those thrown in jail. You were actually joyful when all you owned was taken away from you, knowing that better things were waiting you in heaven 
things that would be yours forever. Remember the book of James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. And he says, let patience have a perfect result that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So, I mean, let them take what they want to. You're going to turn it right around. You know, snip all those roses off my knockout roses all you want to. They're going to come right back. They're going to come back. I like what one guy says. You can trample that rose all you want to. Smush all these roses I got on the ground. Guess what's going to happen? You get your nose down there. <laughs> sure smells good. You know, We are not going to be defeated. It's not going to happen. Notice this. Do not let this what? Happy trust in the Lord die away. No matter what happens. Remember your reward. You need to keep on patiently doing God's will. If you want Him to do all those things He's promised. He's coming will not be delayed much longer. And those whose faith made them good in God's sight. Now that's a great way to put it. The just shall live by faith. That's what that means. Your faith is what made you good in God's sight. Same thing Abraham did. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. It was not that God went, you know what, that Abraham, he's a sure enough good guy. Woo, I like him. Mm -mm. God treated him as though he was sinless. So anyway, notice this. And those whose faith have made them good in God's sight, just like what Melody said this morning, watch this, must live by faith, trusting Him in everything. Just ask Him for His help. Otherwise, if they shrink back, God will have no pleasure in Him. But we have never turned our backs on God and sealed our faith. No, our faith in Him assures our soul's salvation. Praise the Lord. Guess what happens next? Now, we're not going to cover this. We're going to stop. But that goes right into... Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not seeing, of, of, of evidence of things not seen. Verse six goes uh, says, "For by faith it's impossible. To, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe He is, and He's a rewarder of those who <coughs> diligently seek Him." Then He names Abraham, Sarah. What's Sarah got to do with it? Sarah believed God. Remember, she was eighty-five years old and had a child. She laughed. She said, there ain't no way I'm going to have a child. She laughed. And God said, yeah, you laughed. She said, no, I didn't. But she did. And so she names her child what? Isaac, meaning what? Laughter. That whole wonderful chapter, uh, chapter 11, using our faith. I don't know how we can miss this. But we're not going to, praise the Lord. Because God's going to take, I mean, he's going to take care of every little issue you've got. Now, before we close, I want us to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to close right here looking at this. Peter's saying exactly the same things because it's the same Jesus. Look what he says here. He says, oh, I'm going to switch to the King James just a moment. Oh. Notice he says, verse 6, chapter 5, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Notice the connection between God's hand and you. Same thing, in, in, you're in the Holy of Holies. You're with him. Notice what he says too. You know, this is something, I wish I knew something in the Bible that I could do for God. Here it is, same thing in Psalm 55, verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord. I don't know what you're faced with today, but you, you're, you are totally missing out if you don't get those cares over on the Lord. He says, cast in all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Well, it'll just take care of itself. Well, then what did He say do this for? It won't take care of itself. Cast that care on the Lord. Now watch this. Be sober, means be alert, be vigilant. Why? In other words, cast these cares. Philippians 4 says, in, oh, it says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. In other words, pray about these things. Things are not going to happen unless you pray. 
Because your adversary, the devil. Well, I don't believe in a devil. Well, you're crazy. The devil's out there. Go outside and look outside. Watch the ambulances go racing by. Go to the hospitals and see what's happening to little kids. There's a devil. Nah, there's no devil. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, why is disaster always uh, oh, imminent on humans? You know what I mean? It's got a human effect to it. There's a plan and a design to destroy the human race. And God's got a plan to rescue it. It's horrible what's going on out there. He says, be, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about. Look at that. Seeking whom he may devour. See, it's not God. God's made a plan. He's made a way to keep us from this stuff. He said, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Faith? What's faith? Go to the Holy of Holies and pray. Ask God for His help. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who's called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I mean, God's going to make you well. He's going to get you out of that trouble. If you'll just simply cast those burdens upon Him. I mean, this is the way the system works. He's in heaven right now to do these things. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you by your stripes we're healed. If we're not feeling good, something may be wrong. Maybe our hands might not be working right. Our eyes may not be seeing very well. Maybe we're having breathing difficulties. No matter what it is, we've seen Jesus heal. We've also seen in the Old Testament, Moses, when he brought the children of Israel out, he said, I am the God that healeth thee is what he made record about you, Lord. You would heal us all. We thank you for it. You said you'd take sickness out of the midst of us. So, Lord, we roll every burden over on you about not being well. Lord, you do the same thing concerning finances. Psalm 112 says, wealth and riches shall be in his house. You said you'd supply our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We're not going to worry about finances. You'll take care of us. When you selected Peter and Aaron, you loaded their boat full of fish and then said, come follow me. Wow. Whatever. Praise the Lord. Lord, if there's any other difficulty we might be facing, you're the answer. You'll get us out of it, just like you got Samson out of a terrible problem where he didn't have anything to drink and he thought he was going to perish. And he said, Lord, where are you? You'll get us out of trouble, no matter what it is. It doesn't make any difference. And Lord, it doesn't leave anything left for us to tell others about Jesus. Tell others what you have done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.